0: Yesterday, we began looking at David's defection. We saw that it all began when instead of seeking the will of God, David reasoned in his own heart about what to do next. You see, any time we get our eyes on our circumstances and our eyes off of the Lord, we end up in a bad place. David decided it was time for him to leave Israel and to go to a place where Saul would no longer chase him. But when he did so, he put himself and all of his men in great peril. Join us today as we continue looking at David's defection. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
1: When the Lord turned again, the captive.
0: But notice he went down to Gath. He fled from the danger in Israel, but he went straight to the homeland of his own greatest enemy and the greatest enemy of the people of Israel, the people of God, and more importantly, the enemies of David's God. He went to the enemies of God and he settled down in comfort in the land of the enemy. You know, sometimes we're tempted to do that today and many people do it. Some people seek, rather than working through their problems and staying focused on the kingdom of God and upon God's commandments, they seek solace in alcohol, drugs. Um, they seek solace They extramarital affairs, uh, all the things that the world has to offer. You know, you know most of you know that uh, Brother Buddy and I spent a great deal of time over the last few years in Las Vegas. And, uh, and we've, we've enjoyed our fellowship with the folks out there that are focused on the kingdom of God. But you know one of the things that those folks don't do? <laughs> they don't get sidetracked by the glitter and the glitz and the glamour of all those city lights out there. Now i tell you, to my flesh, that's tempting. you got a place, you've got a city where the, it's, it's up all night. There's not an hour of the night that, uh, that that you couldn't just get up and go meet folks and talk to folks and... Find the crowd somewhere on the strip in Las Vegas. But the problem is, is the things that are going on down there are contrary to the word of God. It's tempting to seek solace in the land of the enemies. And that's what David did. He settled down in comfort there. And if you notice, instead of finding relief, he found greater turmoil. (laughs) Look at verse 5. It says, David David said unto Achish, the king there, If I have now found grace in thine eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should thy servant dwell in the royal city with thee? And then Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Wherefore, Ziklag pertaineth unto the kings of Judah unto this day, and the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. Now, notice uh, where he went. He went down to Ziklag. And because he had to provide uh, for his family and his men, in verses 8 and 9 we read that he began to raid the countryside. And David and his men went up and invaded the Geshurites, the Gezrites, the Amalekites, for those nations were out of, were of old the inhabitants of the land, as thou goest to Shur, even unto the land of Egypt. And David smote the land. Now listen to what he did. And left neither man nor woman alive, and took away the sheep and the oxen and the asses and the camels and the apparel and returned and came to achish i'm gonna stop right there and say whenever you walk apart from god things don't get better they get worse they get worse and whenever you commit one sin especially if you're lying for example you ever tell one lie you got to tell another one to cover that lie and you got to tell another one to cover that lie whenever you commit one sin sin doesn't stay static It doesn't stay neutral. It's like a fire. I remember when I was in the fire department, when I was a teenager, and we we were doing some training and burning a building down over here. And I remember uh, the teacher from Shelton Fire College said, you just remember this about a fire. It's never standing still. It's either getting bigger or you're putting it out. It's either getting bigger or smaller. You're either getting the best of it or it's getting the best of you. That's the way sin is. Sin is now, you can't just say, okay, I've got this sin in my life. I'm just going to put it over here in a compartment and and just leave it alone. And I'm going to let it stay there. Let me tell you what it will do. It will breed like rabbits. (laughs) It will breed sin. Sin breeds sin. Sin grows. It doesn't stay there. And one sin will lead to another. And notice now what he's done. He's left neither man nor woman alive. And down in verse 10, as we continue reading, Achish said, Whither have you made a road to today? Or Whither have you made a road today? See, Achish now has gotten David and his men, his 600 men. He thinks he's gotten a prize. He's gotten some help. He's got some reinforcements now. And he's got uh, somebody that's going to go in and help him against the Israelites because, hey, David is defected. <laughs> They're going to hate him. He must hate them. So look what David has to do to keep from going out and killing his countrymen. Achish says, whither have you made a road today? And David said, against the south of Judah, against the south of Jeromalites, and against the south of the Kenites. And David saved neither man nor woman alive to bring tidings to Gath, saying, lest they should tell on us, saying, so did David, and so will will be his manner all the while he dwelleth in the country of the Philistines. Notice what he's got to do now. These are places he would normally, he'd raid them. He might kill some men, but he'd leave everybody alone and he'd take their stuff and come, you know, the spoils of the, of the raid. But because of where he is, he's got to cover up his sin. He's got to kill everybody. Innocent did not matter. It does not matter. And we'll talk about that a little more in just a minute because I want to I I talk now about the result of David's defection the result of David's defection. I want you to notice the first thing. We've already kind of talked about that. He deceived himself. He deceived himself. And we've, we've already seen that he thought he was safe when actually he was in more danger than he'd ever been in his life. He was in the land of the enemy. And there's no, there's no, there's no help for you. There's no respite. There's no rest for you, child of God, when you're in the land of the enemy. There is no rest. You know, that's one of the beauties of the church of God is that we can come here and we can rest a little bit. Mm -hmm. We can have some peace. I feel peace here this morning. I feel rest. I feel good here this morning. I don't feel good out in the world. But, you know, I'm not supposed to. Don't settle down and get comfortable in the world because you're deceiving yourself. And you're dishonoring God. God had protected David all of his life. He had delivered him from every situation that he'd come up on so far. And he had told David over and over and over again that he had anointed him king and he was going to be king and I'm going to take care of you, David, you're mine. You remember who all repeated that too? The the prophet of God, Samuel, was the first one that told David that. Let me just say to you, you ought to listen to the prophet, (laughs) You ought to listen. I'm not. I'll use myself, but let me just say to you. You know, we've got other other preachers in this in this um, congregation and others around us. You ought to listen to the preacher. You ought to listen to if he's telling you what the word of God says. You ought to listen to him. Now, if he's off something, I, you need to be you need to be focused enough on the word of God so you can tell when I'm not right. Okay. And I'm okay with that. You don't listen to me when I'm telling you wrong. But, but if the preacher is advising, if the prophet of God is telling you the Word of God, you ought to listen. Do you know how many times i talk talked to people? How many times I've dealt with people through my ministry and I've said, this is what God wants you to do. Okay. They go out and do right the opposite. They come back and say, preacher, what's wrong? <laughs> well, this is what God wants you to do. Okay. Well, and they go out in the world again and get come say, preacher, I'm still having problems. I'll tell you, you're going to continue to have problems till you listen to the Word of God. I'm the same way. I've got to listen to God's word. I don't always do that. But you know what always happens when I don't do that? I always have turmoil in my life. Samuel, the prophet, had told David, you're going to be king. Jonathan, you remember the last encounter that they had? He said, I know you're going to be the king. Took off his armor and gave it to him in a gesture of saying, I understand. I'm submitting to you. I know you're going to be the king. Abigail, (laughs) Abigail, who was this faithful wife that had this foolish husband, she comes to David and says, hey, you're going to be the king. You're going to be the king. And you know what else It's funny? You know, it's one thing when your friends say that to you. They kind of butter you up. You know, say, oh, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. But you know something that really means a lot often? It's when your enemy says it. Look with me back in 1 Samuel 24 and verse 20. This is Saul, David's enemy, that he's going to supplant one day on the throne. Saul says this, And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Saul, the enemy, is telling him, David, I know that's what the Lord is to even ask him to be be merciful to his children when he's on the throne. Look at chapter 26. We've just read that in verse 25. Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David, thou shalt both do great things and also shalt still prevail. Saul, his enemy, is saying to him, you're going to win. But again, David refuses to trust God in this matter. He didn't say in his heart, Oh, I know God's going to put me on the throne one day. He really believes God's bitten off more than he can chew. He said, I shall now perish one day at the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should just go down to the land of the enemy. You know, this is not consistent with what David believes. We've already talked about how David has a problem with what he believes versus how he acts. But you know what? we got the same problem we got the same problem. You know, if the, if the circumstances, and I, I don't say this to lift anybody up, because I know Aunt Lorraine had many hours of many, probably depression over the church, but if the circumstances were what guided us, this church would not be here today. It would be so easy for her, and it would be so easy for us. Don't think she's the, 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 just the example for now. But listen, times may get lean one day. We may have problems, we have struggles in the church. We may have struggles. We don't now we need to guard against that. and let me say it's not inevitable. We can try to, you know, stay a, away from that. but I'm telling you, the time may come when there's a famine in the house of God. Don't leave the kingdom of God and go into the land of the enemy. It dishonors God. God said, "I'm going to take care of you." You do what I tell you. Don't go into the world out there and and start doing the things that they're doing. Just stay faithful to what God said to do. So important. You know, that's what happened in the book of Ruth. Her father-in-law and Naomi went down. There was a famine in Bethlehem. And they said, okay, we're going to go down to the land of Moab. And they ended up staying there long enough for their sons to marry Moabitish women. And almost lose them to the world. Lost the sons, they died. Of course, you know the outcome of that story. God's grace brought Ruth back into the fold. But that's not the ideal situation, child of God. Don't go off into, the, into Moab to try to take care of a famine when the Lord's promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us here in his kingdom. And he destroyed his testimony, did he not? Did David not destroy his testimony before these... These folks, he he went down into this. Look, look where he went. He went to Ziklag. He went to Ziklag. And if you go back, you don't have to turn back there. But look at the 15th chapter of Joshua sometime. You'll see that that was a city that had pertained to Judah. It was a city that was given to the tribe of Judah. It was supposed to be it was a supposed to be one of the cities of God. OK. But later on, it was clearly it was captured by the Philistines, but they never really occupied it according to historical record. And and so they let the residents that were Jews, they let them stay there. They didn't destroy them. They continued to live there. And and notice what happened. Those Jews lived apparently comfortably under the control of the enemy. (laughs) They were were there living living in a territory owned by God, but controlled by the enemy. David was moving in with the compromisers. He was moving in with those that were satisfied with the world's situation and the circumstances. It never helps us to move in with the compromisers. It never helps us, child of God, to go into the place that's owned by God but controlled by the enemy. Did you know that can happen to the church? Did you know that could happen to this church right here? It's happened to many churches in the denominational world that they are, they're, they're, they're owned by God. They at one time at least were true churches of God and now, now they've been com- completely given over to the control of the enemy. We don't need to be like that. And of course, we've already seen that he not only not only did that, he lied to Akish about what he was doing and, and we're told that, that he killed innocents And destroyed cities just to cover up uh, from Achish what he was really doing. And it says, Achish believed David, verse 12, saying, He hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor him. (laughs) Therefore, he shall be my servant forever. Well, unknown to Achish, he wasn't actually raiding Israel. But think about those that lived on the borders and knew about what David was doing. He's gone over to the enemy. He's destroyed his testimony. So, in the time we have left, let's let's look at some lessons, some lessons from David's life. Notice, you remember what we read in verse seven? It said he was out, he was there in the country of the Philistines a full year and four months. He dwelled down there for sixteen months in the land of the enemy. And there's some long-lasting effects from a year and a half in the enemy's territories. You remember what happened to Abraham and Lot? Lot's sin and and his sliding into sin pitching his tent towards Sodom. Didn't start on the plains there when he saw Sodom and the plain that was down there towards Sodom. Remember what he said about it? He said, man, this looks like Egypt. This looks like Egypt. He had gone down into the Nile Basin and along the Nile River to Egypt with Abraham. When Abraham fled wrongly into that land and lied to his, that king about Sarah, he, he took Lot with him and Lot saw things he liked in Egypt Egypt is always a type of the world in the Word of God. Let me say to you, don't take your family into Egypt. Don't take your your wife and your children into Egypt. You stay in the kingdom of God. There was a famine, but the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And Lot came back, and nothing that, nothing that Abraham brought out of Egypt ever did him any good. He brought Lot back, and Lot had the vision of Egypt, and he chose wrongly. And ultimately, you know the end of that story. He ended in a disaster. And he also brought a little Egyptian handmaid named Hagar. (laughs) And we know the end of that story too, don't we? He sinned with her, trying to help God out. And again, we have troubles even lasting us today. And the other thing I want to say to you is this. I said David got down in depression. Now let me just say to you, depression's not a sin. There are people that suffer from clinical depression. There are those that suffer from situational depression. Depression itself is not a sin, it's a state of mind. It's a result of sin. It's a result of the fact that uh, we're sin cursed beings, but it's what you do with it <laughs> that counts. It's, it's what you do with it. Remember what we said? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He didn't say you'll feel it. <laughs> right. he, he didn't say you don't. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right. There are things that will seem right to you, but if you know the truth, you'll know they're wrong, even if they feel right. David went wrong. Because in verse one, he said in his heart, he said in his heart, this is what I'm going to do. Let me just say to you, child of God, if you're ever depressed, you ought never to listen to yourself. (laughs) Don't ever make a decision while you're in the midst of a depression. You're going to make the wrong decision every single time. And I read this somewhere. I was, you know, we, we tend to talk negatively to ourselves when we were depressed. But uh, I say this to you, too, and I, I read this somewhere that the second worst thing you can do besides listening to yourself when you're depressed is go talk to somebody else who's depressed. <laughs> You know, we always like to seek, you know, I I love, you know, the old hee-haw song, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Those poor guys never got out of depression that I know of. It didn't help them one bit, you know, that's sitting there uh, drinking away their sorrows and whining and complaining to each other. You know, that's all we'll do when we're all down in the dumps and depressed. So what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. Don't fill your mind with negative stuff. When you're down and out, you know, I've been there before. And there's certain movies I want to watch. You know, you ever you ever been in the in the situation where you want to cry? You know, you just want to cry. You know, you just want to watch some sad movie. You just want to watch something sad, or read something sad, or see something sad, because you just feel so bad. You know. And I just gonna watch it. I put in a one of them soppy love stories. You know that uh, that makes you. You know, you end up crying and you feel worse at the end of it than you did at the beginning. Yeah. That's not what you need to do when you're depressed, child of God. Turn to me over to Philippians chapter four and verse eight. Finally, brethren. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, don't keep filling your mind up with negative stuff. Fill it up with the good things. Think about, you know, think about Whatever you know has been good in your life and, and spiritually uplifting in your life. Listen to a sermon. Get some music and listen to some good psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Think on read the word of God. Fill your mind up with those things that are lovely and pure and of good report. Don't listen to yourself when you're down and out and depressed. Chapter 30 of First Samuel. You remember David went wrong by saying in his heart that he was going to do this. But, but I want you to notice in chapter 30 that a terrible event occurred while he was down in Ziklag. We won't read the whole thing, but basically David and his men went out and they, uh, they were out raiding. And they came back to Ziklag and the Amalekites had invaded it and they had burned it down and they had taken the women captives. And the children, they, they didn't kill anybody, but they carried all them away in their spoil. And I'm going to tell you, the people, the people turned. That means verse 4, David and the, men, the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. This is worse situation. It shows you also the problems that David was getting into. See, things got to be worse and worse on him while he was in the land of the enemy. His two wives were taken captive. They had, they had gotten so, they, they wept till they couldn't weep anymore. And notice in verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. See, the people turned against him, those people that he'd been leading, they turned against him. And, uh, and, but at this time, if ever David was uh, ready to, should, should have been ready to cut and run, his mindset should have been, "I'll cut and run now, because it's not working out, it would have been now." But notice what David did. It was different than what he did when he went down there in the first place. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See, that's the alternative. That's the difference. What do you do when you're facing circumstances that are out of your control, and oppressive, and you have an enemy that's constantly after you? Rather than saying in your heart, I'm going to do this, you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. And that's what David did here. And the, the, the rest of that story is that he went down and he and his men, and they, they brought back every one of the wives and the children and all the spoil. They... They, they recovered it all. David was at a worse point here than he was when he left to go to Philistia the first time. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. So let's, let's look at that just for a minute. How do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Well, the first thing we need to do is resort to prayer. Resort to prayer. You say, preacher, there are times I've gotten to where I couldn't pray. What I do when I can't pray, and I've said it many times in this pulpit, you pray anyway. Yeah. You pray anyway. You can talk, can't you? You can open, you can get off in a corner somewhere. You can go into a closet somewhere and you can say, Lord, I don't know how to pray. Lord, I can't pray. Lord, I need your help in praying. And you know what the Bible tells us? That the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Because Paul himself recognized that we don't know how to pray as we ought. So pray, resort to prayer, and then remember the promises. Remember the promise that God has given us that he will never leave us or forsake us. You know, Samuel said it, Jonathan said it, Abigail said it, but more than that, God said it. (laughs) I don't care if nobody ever says it. God said it. That's why we believe and cling to that precious promise of Ephesians chapter 1 that we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. We are special in his eyes not because there's anything special in us but because he set his mark upon us and because we're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and because he sent his son to die for us and because he said where I am one day you will be also I will come back to get you let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me for in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you he said I go to prepare a place for you and he's not up there remodeling heaven he he went by way of the cross to prepare a place for us he said "Uh, I go to prepare a place for you that where i am you may be also and i will come again and get you to take you home to be with me well that's a great promise isn't it we're going through great terrible circumstances we're going through horrible situations with our elections and with our government we're having all kinds of turmoil and struggles in this life but the lord may just fold it up like a scroll this afternoon we, we may have lost loved ones we may be struggling with death or dying or sickness or problems but the lord may close it down before i get through Praise God, He's coming to get us one day and He's not going to leave us while He's gone to heaven. He's here with us. And I want you to realize something else. You need to remember this. Get your vision off the horizontal and get it vertical and understand that God is never overtaken by any circumstance. We don't believe He caused all the circumstances out there. That's a result of sin primarily. But I'll tell you what he's done. He's never, is he, in, the, in the greatest statement I believe we've ever heard of the nature of God, when God, in the person of those three people that were talking to Abraham, he said, is anything too hard for God? There's a lot of stuff out there that's too hard for me. There's a lot of things I'm facing right now, and I know it's the same with you. They're too hard for you, too hard for you and me. But nothing is too hard for God. Oh, the depth of the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's something that will sustain us through every circumstance in this life. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com.